Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. I'm bursting with pride, but again, I'm also not surprised. You know, Barbie has always been a trailblazer. And so if anyone is going to break through all of these records, especially with a female director at the helm and a female lead and producer at the helm, it's Barbie. So I'm thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled that the movie is making such a connection with people. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, I'm wearing pink, and I have the pleasure of talking with the most in-demand CMO in the world today, Lisa McKnight, the Executive Vice President and Chief Brand Officer for Mattel, and she oversees all toy categories and global brands. Yes, we will talk about the Barbie movie, but we will also talk about the transformation of the Barbie brand, which made the movie possible. And the seeds of the transformation go back nearly a decade. Mattel is, of course, the iconic toy company with revenue of about $5.3 billion. It was founded in Los Angeles way back in 1945 by Matt Matson and Elliot and Ruth Handler. In 1959, Mattel introduced Barbie, the brainchild of Ruth Handler. My guest Lisa has been with Mattel nearly 25 years, and for 11 of those 25 years, she has had Barbie in her job title. Lisa is a graduate of Denison University. She's on the boards of the Toy Industry Association and Makers Women and has been generous over the years in sharing her knowledge at a range of industry events. Well, brace yourself, Lisa. You are now officially the most desired keynote speaker at every CMO event. And on the day we recorded this, Lisa was promoted, and that's a promotion very well-deserved. Here's our wonderful conversation with Lisa. Lisa, welcome to the CMO Podcast in what must be the most amazing week of your wonderful career. Thank you for taking an hour with us and congratulations to you and your team on everything. This is over the top exciting. It is a unique event that just happened and I can't wait to get into it with you. Well, thank you, Jim. It is truly an incredible time for the Barbie team. We are beyond thrilled with the response to the movie and all the brand activation that the team's been executing over the past few months. The the positive response, the celebrations that are happening, the way people are coming together and eventizing the film and and leaning into pink is like nothing I could have ever imagined. I want to start at a really simple place with this conversation, and I'd like to hear what your week has been like. We're recording this episode five days after the Barbie movie was released. So could you take us inside the life of the chief brand officer of Mattel in this most, most incredible week? Well, it's certainly been a busy one. We we started with, uh, again, our partners at Warner Brothers hosting an incredible global premiere of the movie in Los Angeles, where, you know, I got to celebrate with colleagues, partners, as well as some family members. So that was an incredible kickoff. 
followed by an amazing disco dance party um, DJed by Mark Ronson, who actually is <laughs> behind the score and the soundtrack of the film. So in incredibly fun. And then from there, we've been traveling the world sort of on tour, uh, celebrating all these various premieres with the cast. And uh, of course, the amazing Greta Gerwig. We went to London, went to Berlin. In London, I'll share a another highlight. We were invited to Ambassador Jane Hartley's home in the UK. So that was exciting to go to Regent Park. She had a Barbie celebration and a screening. I mean, everyone is connecting to this film. Yeah, it yeah. It's, it's incredible. And then the, the week culminated with employee screenings around all of our campuses worldwide for Mattel, and then a ringing of the um, opening bell at NASDAQ last Friday. So it's just been incredible. How are you feeling? Tired, excited, stunned? <laughs> yeah, I mean, energized, uh, running on adrenaline. But this Barbie is exhausted, I will share. Yeah. How have you kept yourself kind of together and fresh and alert through all this? Well, really trying to compartmentalize and, and sort yeah. of focus on what's immediately in front of me day by day and not thinking too far ahead. It, it, there's too much happening. There's there's too many initiatives. And of course, you can appreciate, I'm also running a day-to-day -day business. Right. Um, the we'll get into that later. Yeah. You know, like on top of all that, um, literally yesterday, my team handed off our 24 product line to our sales organization. So there's sort of current day, uh, trying to just stay focused on the present. And then, you know, soon enough, we'll be focusing on the future. Yeah. I know you can't share a whole lot on this, but I suspect you're seeing an uptake in doll sales already. I know there's a lot coming, but my guess is with this excitement, people are going to the stores, going online. Yeah, it's it's really, it's it's incredible. We are, we're seeing a really nice lift in lifestyle products, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's apparel, accessories, beauty products, inline roller rollerblades luggage or the toy line. And what's exciting with the toy line is we're seeing a halo. So obviously we've got dedicated movie merchandise, but we're seeing a halo across the entire brand. Yeah, I bet. Well, I want to I want to kind of start this conversation beyond that overall question with a bit of a lightning round as there's so much we we would like to cover in our our short time together today. I'd like you to tell us where, when, and with whom did you first see the Barbie movie in full? And what was your reaction to that? I, I saw the movie for the first time in full. I've, of course, been on the journey of seeing dailies sure. and yeah. all of that. But saw it in full on the Warner Brothers lot nine months ago, maybe, with Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, and the uh, production team, and, of course, the, the Warner Brothers executives. And it was incredible. I mean, right out of the gate, even in its rough form, without music or a score, which certainly helps a lot in terms of pacing and yeah, yeah. all of that. We knew we had struck gold. People were laughing at the right times. There were emotional moments at the right times. And there was really, you know, right out of the gate, we knew we had something for a very broad audience. My wife and I saw it with her sister on Saturday night. And oh my God, in the beginning, just the opening scene, we were busting a gut. It was just... And it, it, it didn't stop. And I have to tell you, when it was over, we went to have a snack and a drink. And we had quite a conversation. I mean, and I hope more and more people are doing that with their, their partners, their spouses, their kids, their parents. I just think it about identity, about purpose in life, about 
gender. I mean, it was it was silly and serious at the same time, and a lot of people have made that, but but it really got us talking. We just had fabulous fun, and it was very thoughtful. Well, that is that is all Greta. You know, we were approached by a lot of folks throughout the years uh, with treatments for what a Barbie movie might look like, and we knew that we had one shot to get this right to, to put her on the big screen in the best way possible. And Greta was the first person, even just by reputation that we started to get really excited about what her take might be. And she was so thoughtful in not only her research of the brand, but she really understands, you know, sort of the, the female journey. She's portrayed women in a really beautiful light in yeah. other projects. And, you know, she, she pushed the conversation, the monologue by America Frere in every screening I've been in, as well as now mm. the movie's released, gets a standing ovation. I think that's going to be a huge topic of conversation go forward. We've had conversations on campus um, since everyone's announcing the movie about the makeup of our C-suite and female representation at the top. And it's it's a good one. It's 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 good to push in this area. I suspect you're doing better at the top of your company than was portrayed in the movie. <laughs> the we famous are. conference room scene. <laughs> with, we are. With... And again, only Will Ferrell could, could play the role of CEO with such yeah. sort of, you know, a, an incredible delivery. And clearly we're parody. It's a parody. But, you know, Greta used Mattel as embl emblematic of big corporate America. Of course. Yeah. I read that you first met Margot Robbie about five years ago. I think it was in 2018. So what did you talk about when you first met her? Yeah, she we had her to our offices and, you know, first heard her take and, you know, why she was interested in the brand and what kind of a story she wanted to create wearing her producer hat with her team. And she was not a Barbie girl growing up. So that was interesting to hear. But she was very perceptive about the brand and, you know, acknowledged right out of the gate that Barbie can be polarizing and said that if she was going to make this movie, you know, she she needed some freedom to explore all aspects of the brand. And while that made us uncomfortable, you know, we're thrilled that we got to a good place. And as I've said in a few of these interviews, I, I had to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. But the minute we took her on the sort of journey that the brand's been on, especially over the past 10 years, there was a whole new appreciation for the modernity of Barbie and the, the evolution the doll has made, the brand has made, and the purpose that we're um, creating in the world. So that was exciting too, to help her become more versed and kind of lose a, a more, I'll call it dated view of the brand. I've heard you quoted as saying, we've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'd like you to talk about that for a minute. How did you do that yourself? I mean, you've been at this company almost a quarter of a century. You've had Barbie in your job title for many, many years. Uh, your management had to be with you on this. So how did you get yourself to a place with this iconic brand to be comfortable being uncomfortable? I've said many times that it takes a village to run this brand. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many important contributors. And you know, I have an advisory council of brand leaders that work literally alongside me as well as um, consultants that we work with and even, um, you know, agency partners. And, you know, we, we try to make sure that if we are going to make a leap, that we've got eyes wide open to what the response could be, always thinking through 
best and worst scenarios. And if mm-hmm. if we're faced with the worst case scenario and there's this backlash or, you know, groundswell of social commentary that isn't going our way, you know, we always are prepared to deal with it. So after a lot of these sessions where I was questioning if this was the right way to position the brand, you know, and speaking with my advisors, you know, we, we would all sort of come to a collective place where, okay, we can, we can withstand this. We've got enough scaffolding. And then oftentimes, you know, it's all also my role to make sure that our CEO was informed. Sometimes I had to update the board just to make sure no surprises. Mm-hmm. And that when we were taking leaps, that eyes were wide open. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Now, the big headlines in the last 48 hours or so is that this is the lar- your movie, Barbie, is the largest movie opening ever with a female director. And your brand purpose is helping girls see their limitless possibilities. So, wow. How does that wonderful factoid make you feel as a leader of Barbie for so many years? Well, I'm, I'm bursting with pride, but again, I'm also not surprised. You know, Barbie has always been a trailblazer. And so if anyone is going to break through all of these records, especially with a female director at the helm and a female lead and producer at the helm, it's Barbie. So I'm thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled that uh, the, the movie is making such a connection with people. Did you ever meet Ruth Handler before she passed away in 2002? I met her briefly, but never in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I will share, I have been spending time with Barbara Handler, oh. her daughter, who Barbie was inspired by. And we had the privilege of hosting Barbara and her family at our employee screening a week ago. And it was really exciting to to hear her take not only on the film, but on the magnitude of, of the brand that started as a doll that her mother created and is so much more than that today. Wow. How did she like the movie? What did she like most about it? She thought the movie was a kick. Yeah. She she loved it. She loved the uh, mother-daughter relationship, thought that that was realistic and emotional and, you know, obviously made her think about, you know, some of the things she's been public about in her relationship with her mother, Ruth. She got a kick out of Margot Robbie uh, playing her at the very end of the movie when she introduces herself at the gynecologist as Barbara Handler. Yeah. 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 She loved that Margot Robbie played her. Yeah. Such a good touch. What's the most inspiring thing about your brand that you've seen posted on social since the movie released? There's been so much stuff, but what what has particularly resonated with you? It's really the inclusivity of the brand. The the fact Mm. that so many people and different types of people, ages, people with, you know, a variety of different identities, are emotionally attached to Barbie. Barbie is joyful, positive, and inclusive. And, you know, not only on social, but seeing at these events, people waving the flag, you know, wearing head to toe, pink, all sorts of creative expressions of the brand. It's, it's just remarkable. And I think we're at a time right now in society, 
where everyone needs some levity, everyone needs some joy, and everyone needs some inspiration. And and Barbie's bringing that, which is just incredible. I'll say. You have, you know, this has been also in the headlines. You've had so many brand partnerships behind this this release. I mean, 100 plus. And, and I'm not going to ask you which one is your favorite because that's just not fair. But which one or ones have really surprised you in terms of their immediate impact, their immediate popularity? Well, one of our most recent partnerships with Zara literally blew me away. There, there's some posts on social of a Mexico City store, you know, opening its doors with people in the queue outside. And it was like Black Friday. I mean, a <laughs> yeah. complete frenzy to just get you know, everyone wants to just get their hands on this great Barbie apparel. It's just, it's incredible. I love also our, I'm looking at it right now because it's in my office, the Bay's luggage line. I mean, it is about as electric pink as you can get. It is so bold and so confident. And that's also, you know, sold out instantly. So the, the way people are just chasing down the product and everyone wants a piece of the brand. Everyone wants to play with us right now. It's yeah. just, it's, ama it's amazing. Yeah. Is there a partnership that you would have liked to have done that you didn't? One that was left on the table for some reason or no? You know, I can honestly say, um, and we've said this in many discussions internally, I think we've turned over every rock. I, 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 there is no mm -hmm. partner. I mean, I will say one partner and they're a great brand. They passed on us and that was Birkenstock. <laughs> oh, oh my. Right. That's a miss. That was a miss. Right. Yeah. But we're friends and, you know, we'll, we'll be doing stuff with them in the future. But I bet they're selling. I bet they're selling out of their pink Birkenstock, oh, they're doing by the incredibly way. Well, yeah, yeah. Everyone wants the pink Birkenstock right now. So there were a few that were just a miss because, you know, the partner for whatever reason wasn't yeah. wasn't game. But uh, for the most part, you know, we're absolutely everywhere. I, I will say the the partnerships that were new to my group and team were more of the adult targeted programs, you know, working with Bumble. Was, was a tough one because for the most part our core audience is kids and families mm -hmm. and Mattel is a company that's uh, an entertainment company for children so it was tricky to get comfortable in some of these adult spaces again everything was done very tastefully but you know Barbie on a dating app I yikes yeah yeah well I don't I, I mean you're definitely a kids brand but i don't think so much anymore right exactly, exactly. and this movie We're, is proving that we've broadened for sure yeah you sure have which we'll talk about in a few minutes now this is has to be one of the most all-time complex creative collaborations ever right you have mattel with your goals and your people you have warner brothers margot robbie's company lucky chap greta gerberg and her team all your brand partners you're all of your stakeholders and you brought that together with off the chart results to date. So Lisa, what is, I mean, you're, you're an experienced leader, an accomplished leader, but what has been your major leadership lesson that you take away from all of this? Well, for sure, it is about incredible precision marketing. We, we have had to over-communicate with all of our partners, never take anything for granted, schedule everything to the minute by day, by week, by month, and really ensure that there was a great steady drumbeat of programming and that we didn't do anything too early or too late. 
And that sort of orchestration um, and integrated planning has been critical to our success, as well as really, again, valuing everyone's roles and strengths. Again, I cannot thank the Warner Brothers team enough. And of course, you know, it all started with incredible creativity from Greta and her vision for the film. She created a tone and a personality for the film that, that allowed us to have a lot of fun in all of our marketing communication. This is a collaboration which began years ago, right? Yeah. And it's sometimes hard to keep energy up for something creative over an extended period of time. I remember a lot of my ad agencies back at PNG said, you guys drag things out too long. Just let us make something or it gets stale. So obviously this thing kept its energy and has the most amazing result. How did you keep the energy, everyone fully engaged, excited, creative, working to their full potential throughout this relatively long project? Well, there were certainly lulls. Well, we met Margot in 2018 and started working with Greta in 2019. You know, then we went dark, of course, during the pandemic when it was peaking, which actually worked for Greta and her her writing partner and partner Noah bomb back because that's when they worked on the script. But, you know, we, we haven't been 24-7 for all five years. But certainly in late 20, when the script was ready, we, we have been working around the clock. One thing that... um. Greta and Margot both confessed to is they would always release new materials for, to us to review on a Friday afternoon, <laughs> <laughs> strategically. Yeah, Have a sure. glass of wine, look it over. But of course, you know, as funny as that sounds, it, it then also like, you know, took over everyone's weekends. And so the team has really worked 24 seven for a few years now. There've been some breaking point moments where people just needed a reset. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to really make sure we were, we're, you know, respecting the team, giving everyone space. We, we've given, encouraged forcifications just for people to keep sane. But I'm not going to lie. It, it's been an incredible amount of work. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can only imagine. We're all talking about what's going on right now in this incredible, this credi- incredible movie and this incredible time in the life of Barbie. But I want to take us back, I don't know, eight or nine years and I remember seeing you on a stage, and I don't know if it was CAD or I think it was the A&A Masters of Marketing. And, I, and you were talking about the total reimagination and rethinking about everything Barbie. And I remember being amazed and inspired, and this is eight or nine years ago, and I took pictures, I took some notes, I took it home to my team, and I said, this is an incredible case study of brand purpose and culture change and thinking about possibilities, respecting your heritage, but not being limited by it. So I would like you to go back to that time. I think it was the ANA, and you were you were at the start of all this. But this movie would not have been possible without that work of, of, that was eight or nine years ago. So could you take us back there, Lisa, and talk a bit about the journey that the brand has been on, that you have been a part of since 2014 and 15, it's, I'm sure it's a culture change story. It's a purpose story. But could you go back and take, your, take us through your learning from the journey this brand has been on that has, been, that has really culminated and will continue to, go, to gain momentum after this movie? Well, absolutely. I, I would say, first of all, a lot of great work and cultural change happens you know, when you're facing pressures and um, there's a bit of a crisis. And that is where we were about 10 years ago. The brand was losing 
resonance with families, parents, and even with kids. We had always maintained a strong relationship with kids and always had that kid demand, but even kids were, were faltering a bit and parents were also becoming a bigger voice in the purchase decision process. So we had to do some dramatic things to, to evolve the brain quickly. We did some research to sort of pressure test state of Barbie and her relevance. And we heard loud and clear from a lot of parents that they no longer saw her as a role model and they would not give her as a party gift, as a birthday present at a party. And interestingly, you know, when parents give gifts and when kids have even themed birthdays, you know, it's a reflection of their identity and no one wanted to connect or identify with Barbie. So that was horrifying. And one of the biggest barriers, and, and this has always been a polarizing aspect of the brand, but was her body. Her body has been polarizing from the start and we needed to shake things up. The team went on a big exploration. There was a lot of complexity to evolve that form factor. When you think about it, um, if you're going to change the doll, you've got to think about the fit of the fashions. You've got to think about the world that the doll fits into, her dream house, the elevator, the doorways, the furnishings, the cars. You know, if we create curvy Barbies, tall Barbies, petite, how do they work in this world and the system? So very complex, as well as adding skew count, which is also a factor and mm -hmm. a cost. Um, you know, now we're creating multiples of Barbie. So it was a big, exhaustive study. In addition to at the same time, the team was evaluating creating more diversity in the line. You know, we needed to better reflect the world that kids were seeing around them. And Barbie was playing back as being you know, Caucasian blonde with blue eyes. And even though we've had black Barbie in our line for almost 30 years, that wasn't the playback. People didn't see that. So we also needed to make sure we introduced much more diversity in the line. So lots of work to evolve and modernize the physical toy and product. At the same time, from a communication standpoint, we needed to recontextualize the brand. We needed for parents to appreciate the benefits of Barbie, why she matters, what's her purpose. And so we did go back uh, to the origin of the brand. We went back to Ruth Handler, our founder and her vision, which was to inspire the limitless potential in girls with this doll experience. And we anchored on that and uh, worked with an incredible agency, BBDO, on some award-winning work, Imagine the Possibilities. And what was interesting was while we were scrambling on the product line, as you know, um, communication moves faster. So we were able to get the brand message out prior to when the product really started to, to roll. And then from there, we looked at every aspect of, of the brand experience. We looked at our storytelling and our content. We knew that, interestingly, Barbie had been playing a lot of characters. Uh, we had 20 DVD titles where Barbie was, you know, Barbie as Rapunzel, Barbie as, you know, in, in Swan Lake. She was never showing up as Barbie. Who is Barbie? So we had an opportunity to start creating new content evaluating Barbie, making her meaningful, making her relevant. We introduced a first person vlogger on YouTube where Barbie started talking about her day, how she was feeling, um, good days, bad days. And then that allowed us to push that conversation further. And she started to address some pretty meaningful to topics, one of which was, why do women always apologize? Why do we say we're sorry all the time? What are we apologizing for? She addressed that. She talked about depression 
And then, you know, a few years later, she talked about racism, but in a very kid appropriate way by having a conversation with her best friend, Nikki, who's black, and then sort of handed the mic over to Nikki. So we got a lot of uh, great traction there by, by sort of humanizing Barbie, making her less perfect, making her relatable. And then to reinforce also our female empowerment positioning, we started to connect to real women, real women trailblazers doing amazing things. And we started to create likeness dolls of these real women and tell their stories through the, through the brand. So Maya Angelou, Jane Goodall, Billie Jean King, Rosa Parks, we, we, we went after all sorts of inspiring women, some deceased and some alive with us today. And, and the ones that are still alive today, of course, we also recorded content of them speaking about their journey and imparting wisdom onto kids. So lots of different activations and initiatives that collectively started to create this transformation and evolution. I'd say the biggest guiding principle for everything was to be comfortable taking risks. We sort of had nothing to lose because the trajectory was not going the right way. So the team got much more comfortable taking swings. And I think you fast forward to today and that's exactly what we've done with this movie. Mm -hmm. We took a big swing. That wonderful story you just told had lots of initiatives, ideas, and creativity in it as you broadened the brand, made it more inclusive, thought more broadly about the Barbie brand. How did you elicit that creativity out of an organization that, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know how many people you brought in from the outside, how many partners you work, but what did you do as a leader to tap into that creativity with your team and with your partners? Well, I think getting the organization excited about Barbie's purpose, excited about the positive impact we could collectively make in the world by leaning into that purpose has really been galvanizing. You know, in today's day and age, people want to feel a connection to the brands and products and the business that they work on. And we have an incredibly passionate, emotional, and committed team mm -hmm. um, at Mattel that uh, I, can say, I say we bleed Barbie. And everybody wants to do good in the world and use the platform for you know, positive change. I was doing a workshop yesterday with a division of Intuit, the MailChimp uh, people, MailChimp group. Obviously, we talked about Barbie for, for half of the workshop. And I asked them for questions they might have for you because I said, I'm talking to Lisa tomorrow. And one that came in was, you know, wow, but we're entering this world of AI and all the implications for brands and communication and play. They said, if you think out five, 10 years, what do you imagine Barbie's digital presence will be and her in real life presence? And I know it's, a, it's kind of a way out there question, but I wanted to share it from the team because I'm sure you're thinking about it. Well, we are thinking about it. And again, I, I think one thing that we've had fun with, like I, I mentioned a second ago, is creating a first person voice for Barbie. You know, we did that as a blogger. She now also has her own Instagram channel, Barbie Style, where, where she speaks in first person. She's got a TikTok channel. And we are starting to position her as an influencer, mm -hmm. role model, tastemaker, giving her a voice and then trying to bring the, the literal doll to life in a fun way. Um, and we're finding that the best reaction 
from a creative standpoint is when we do stop motion videos versus like an animation. Mm-hmm. People love seeing the literal doll form factor. I say all that because there is something exciting about the digital space and AI and thinking about how do you further that? How do you have Barbie show up at events um, and have a, a mm-hmm. conversation with someone like yourself? Yep. What might that look like? Because of course, everything we do has to be pre-planned, scripted. So it is going to be fascinating to think about this open-endedness that that could happen with, with Barbie. And again, what I've said before, and, and I'll continue to say is not quite knowing what the future will look like, we will take cues from, you know, where our fans and consumers are going mm-hmm. and yeah. comfortable or not, if, if fans and consumers are gathering in some experience or in some new way to play, we will have to be there um, because if we're not, then we will be irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're, you're doing what many others would, would aspire to do, right? You're widening your audience. You're acting on purpose. You're expanding your market. You're broadening your offerings in line with your purpose. And obviously it begins with the brand purpose story you just told, but is there any other advice you would have for others who would love to be doing what you're doing, right? Stimulating the category. Uh, and really you've, you've transitioned from what was once a doll brand to a genuine lifestyle brand with lots and lots of people interested in this lifestyle. So any thoughts, advice, tips for others who are who would love to do that with their their brand? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is if your brand's origin is in a product, you know, you've got to move beyond the functionality um, and the positioning of the product. Mm-hmm. It has to be about the bigger idea and the bigger benefit. And you need to um, broaden your platform as much as possible. So with a, um, a banner around female empowerment, inclusivity, positivity, and sort of culture forward. There's so many ways we can stretch and explore the brand versus if we just thought about Barbie as a physical 11 and a half inch doll. That said, you know, we do have to appreciate what conversations we lead, what conversations we participate in, and what conversations we don't participate in. There has to be authenticity to the spaces where we lean in. And we've got to be mindful of our consumers. One thing that's been very tricky, candidly, in the past few years is um, the polarization that's happening in the United States around politics. And, you know, Barbie sells in as many red states as she does in blue states. And so we have to make sure that we're inclusive and not divisive in some of the messaging mm-hmm. and the um, you know initiatives that we put out there. I want to shift over into the creative brief to wrap up this wonderful discussion. My first question, will there ever be a Barbie CMO doll? (laughs) Well, you could argue there is one. I've got a doll of me from a few years ago. (laughs) Okay, good. Maybe you should mass market that. It's going to be a big seller, I'm sure. (laughs) Now, I always ask this question. It's about the first brand you remember. Before you answer it, I have to tell you that my longtime business manager, Betty Gabbard, and my marketing director, Liz Keating, their answer to that question is Barbie, 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 with such rich stories. And they're both so eager to see the movie. They haven't seen it yet. But I want you to know that my core team, their first brand that made an impact on them was Barbie. So for you, Lisa, 
As you think back growing up as a young girl, what's the first brand that made an impact on you? I mean, you know, I think you know the answer. It was it was absolutely Barbie. I have a younger sister and we were lucky enough to be able to play with a variety of Barbies. Ken had the camper, the dream house. I was a kid from the 70s. So Malibu Barbie was my doll. I grew up in foggy San Francisco and would fantasize about the Southern California <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> now you have it, right? And now I have it. I mean, it's really incredible to uh, to think about what I'm doing today and, and where I'm living today and, and all of that. But I absolutely will never forget. We'll never forget Malibu Barbie, my, my first love. What Barbie has, we're recording this in your office. You have a beautiful Barbie surfboard in the background. What Barbie has the most prominent position in your office? Oh, goodness. I, I have dolls everywhere surrounding me. <laughs> right. It may be that shifts, huh? I'm very proud of our Inspiring Women collection. So I am looking at likeness dolls of these amazing women mm -hmm. throughout history. Uh, I'm looking at Rosa Parks. I'm looking at Bessie Coleman. I'm looking at Maya Angelou, Billie Jean King, Jane Goodall. Mm -hmm. I love being surrounded by, by these sheroes. They're, they're just incredible. That's a good lineup. You've been at Mattel nearly 25 years. What attracted you way back then? And what has kept you here through the thick and thin? Well, what attracted to me to Mattel was Barbie, of course. Prior to Mattel, I was working in San Francisco at The Gap mm -hmm. in their marketing department, which was really fun, a whole other story, but sort of in the peak years of that company yeah. in the 90s. And we had done a collaboration with Mattel and we had a Barbie Gap doll sold exclusively in Gap stores wearing the classic sweatshirt. So I knew folks at Mattel as a result. And I moved to LA for my husband and, and his career journey and immediately connected with the folks at, Pinnell, at, at Mattel and then um, you know, started working on Barbie in the consumer products business. So licensing out the brand to folks that make surfboards like I have in my office and bicycles and apparel. What I liked about that job was even though I wasn't working on the core toy business, I had to be a brand ambassador and I had to be able to present the benefits of the brand to these other third-party manufacturers for them to get excited about making merchandise with, with the brand on it. So that was fun. And then, you know, since then I've had many careers within the career at Mattel, but Barbie's always been part of my experience here. Are you ever going to do a book or something special about your time? I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. And I, I hope you're keeping a diary of what's happening in your life right now, because it is very special. Well, thank you, Jim. I would love that. I, I would certainly need help. Um, I, I can barely keep up with all the, the, the press, the social, the, the broadcast um, coverage. I mean, it is just like nothing I could have ever dreamed of. Um, it's an incredible time. Well, you're doing it beautifully. And I, get, I have uh, maybe two more questions. You have, what, 250-some a, a career Barbies? Yes, I'd like to know if you were if you were not the CMO Barbie, what would the Barbie be that you would like to be doing? Well, early on in, in my um, college years, I, I thought I wanted to be a, a broadcast journalist. Katie Couric has always been a role model to me. She also has two daughters and I have two daughters, which I love. But I did a fun summer internship at the uh, NBC affiliate station in San Francisco, got all excited, thought that this could be a career path. And then learned that, okay, great. But if you, when you start in the space, you go to very small markets in very remote areas. You do not start in San Francisco. 
And I'm, I'm a San Franciscan and I'm a Californian. And when I realized that, I thought, well, maybe I should think about a career opportunity in a place that I want to live in versus, you know, chasing the career in, in some other location. So that made me shift to advertising and then the gap and then, you know, Mattel. Yeah. So what are your girls' favorite Barbies? Well, I will share my older daughter always preferred Ken to Barbie. So we have, we have some good laughs about that. My, my younger daughter is a, is a Barbie girl through and through. And the sparkly, the better. I mean, she's older now. So she loves our um, signature collection, which are, are more premium dolls that have gorgeous fashion details. But uh, when she was younger, the, the more sparkle, the better. My daughter, of course, had Barbies, but she was really a Polly Pocket girl and an American Girl girl. Okay. So I don't know what your next IP you're going to do such a beautiful job with as you've done with Barbie, but she's hoping you do it with Polly Pockets. Well, Lena Dunham's working on a script as we speak. <laughs> That's perfect. So That's we're, perfect. we're ready. Last question for you. you. You're living a remarkable life. Who has been the most inspiring person in your life, Lisa? Oh, boy. It's you know, kind of an, it's a, it's a broad answer, but I really would say it, it truly is the team. It's, it's my, you know, my partner who's our head of design. It's my head of brand marketing, my, my PR lead, my head of product. Um, my team, our team is just incredible. Again, we bleed pink and, uh, and we lift each other up and we're, uh, we're sounding boards when people are down, but, I have never been more inspired than than by watching, and, and I would also say the head of our internal creative agency. I mean, the work that this team has created has me awestruck. That's a beautiful place to stop. And I'll give you the last word. Anything for me, a Barbie fan, before we leave, Lisa? Well, I would just say, while this is a huge culminating moment, for the brand, um, with, the, with the movie and the response to the movie, um, we see it as the beginning. We see it as the beginning of, of a next chapter. Mm. Like I mentioned earlier, um, I do think we've, we've got this opportunity and we are doing it as we speak to recontextualize the brand yep. and to think about what's next. Barbie's turning 65 next year. So that's another opportunity to create some mm -hmm. amplification and the future's bright and uh, looking forward to many more um, fun moments like this. So are we, Lisa. So are we. Thank you for taking time in this wild week that you're having. We're, we're just uh, so thankful. We have such gratitude for the inspiration you've given the entire industry and for spending these precious moments with my listeners on the CMO podcast. Thank you, Lisa. And all the best. Get some rest. Enjoy every minute of this. And I hope to see you in real life one of these days. That sounds great, Jim. It's been, it's been a pleasure and great to connect as always. That was my conversation with Lisa McKnight. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, it's a foundational one and it's about the foundation. It's critical to have a strong brand foundation, a strong long-term vision and a strong purpose to achieve the kind of results Mattel has achieved with the Barbie movie and all around it. The seeds of this transformation of Barbie began nearly a decade ago with getting the brand foundation right. Second takeaway, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mattel has a very clear vision for Barbie, but they're willing to let go with consumers in social and in other channels. And they were willing to let go for creative people like Mogo Robbie and Greta Gerwig to do the amazing movie they did. So it's a good lesson for all of us. Be uncomfortable with the uncomfortable 
and let your brand go a bit with your consumers and your creators. Third takeaway, good things take time. This Barbie movie had its genesis five, six years ago. Obviously, the turnaround of Barbie began nearly a decade ago and continues. So when you want to do something of the impact that we just talked about with this Barbie movie and all the attention it's brought and the good business to the brand, it takes time. It does not happen overnight. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.